Good afternoon. Welcome to Long Live the First Amendment and Free Speech Podcast. Free Press Media Press Inc. sponsors this podcast. I'm Andrew Bouchard. Today I read the trial, Locke v. State, 516-SW-2D-949, Texas Court of Civil Appeals, 6th District, 1974. In this case, E. Ellen Lockett, DBA Continental Longview Motor Inn Appellant versus the State of Texas Appellee, raised some issues for our consideration. So friends, get set, get set, get set, get set, because we're going to surge ahead to advance the First Amendment. So what specifically happened here? The opinion says, quote, after due notice and hearing, the District Court of Gregg County issued a temporary injunction which enjoined appellant from commercial exhibiting or possessing for the purpose of commercial exhibiting Films portraying acts of sexual intercourse, deviate sexual intercourse, and bestiality as defined by Section 21.01, and 21.074, Vernon's Annotated Texas Penal Code. The injunction was issued pursuant to Article 4667, Vernon Annotated Texas Civil Statute, which provides that the habitual use of any premises for the commercial exhibition of obscene material shall constitute a nuisance and shall be enjoined at the suit of the state of any citizen thereof. Appellant contends that the injunction is valid because 1. The exhibitions causing the issuance of the injunction do not constitute commercial ex- exhibitions. 2. The film exhibited by the appellant do not constitute obscenity and was therefore protected from suppression by the First Amendment to the United States Constitution. 3. The order amounts to an unconstitutional prior restraint on appellant's freedom of expression. Four, the injunction does not require the element of scienter in the exhibition of such films. And five, the injunction constitutes an unconstitutional invasion of the right to privacy. End quote. L. E. L. Locke is doing business as Continental Longview Motor Inn. I wonder why he chose that model. It looks like a sole proprietorship. It may be an LLC, but it looks like a sole proprietorship. I don't think they had LLCs back then. As I read, they had they came around around the 70s. So they weren't that popular back then as they are today. So I'm wondering if he is a sole proprietor running this in, why would he not incorporate, especially given the things that can arise from exhibiting movies. But I don't want to second guess our our friend here because he did a good thing by bringing this to trial. It looks like he raised some excellent points for consideration. He certainly fought, and we applaud that. It looks like he did the right things. For example, he required his patrons to sign a waiver that included, among other things, quote, I am at least 18 years old and assume the responsibility to prevent anyone who is not at least 18 years old from entering my room, end quote. That's awesome. That's what we need. We want people 18 and up only. So good job. You're doing your part. That should be case closed in my book, but unfortunately not everyone uses my book. It also says, quote, In response to certain complaints, an investigation of the Palace Motel operation was undertaken by the Longview Police Department. On several occasions, police officers rented rooms at the motel and viewed the movies which were available. Criminal complaints 
for exhibiting obscene material were lodged against appellant, but these charges re remain undisposed of at this date, end quote. It sounds petty to me. In one of the other obscenity cases we read in regards to obscene devices, the judge said it was a waste of resources for police departments to worry about this. Think about all the crime that goes on in Texas. These cops have nothing better to do than to sit in hotel rooms and watch obscene films. Ridiculous. You suck, Longview Police Department. Fortunately, our friend here did not take that line down. He argued that they were not, quote, commercial exhibition, end quote, because they were included as part of the fee and they didn't charge anything on top of that. That's an interesting argument he makes. Unfortunately for him, the court didn't find that persuasive because they say even though you get a benefit from on top of a service such as a hotel room, even though you don't charge extra for it, it's still indirectly a commercial operation. That's good logic, I suppose. So unfortunately, our friend didn't win that point. He also claimed the films were not obscene. I like when people do that because you got to fight. If you can't overturn the law, at least you can try to argue that the films are all right. But this is what the court said. Quote, in accordance with the requirement that an independent determination of the obscene nature of the material be made by the reviewing court, we have viewed the films introduced as exhibits below, and we find them to be obscene by any reasonable definition. The films have practically no plot or story content. They merely depict in the most explicit and detailed form possible a continuous series of acts of sexual intercourse, deviant sexual intercourse, oral sodomy, cunnilingus, and fellatio. The camera report repeatedly focuses on the genitalia of the participants in a lewd manner, and there is no literary, artistic, political, or scientific value. Their appeal is wholly to the prurient interest in sexual conduct. They are obscene according to both the Texas statutory definition and the test approved by the United States Supreme Court in Miller v. California. End quote. Alas, alas. I personally believe that even if films are obscene, we should still be able to see them, and they should we still should be able to commercially exhibit them. So, barring that, he made a good move by trying to get them declared not obscene. He also addresses the issue of what they call, quote, prior restraint on freedom of expression, end quote. A lot of these other trials talk about that a prior restraint is like a censorship board that you have to approve beforehand whether something can be shown or not, whereas obscenity trials involve after something is presented, whether it's a magazine, a book, or a film, then people declaring it obscene. So they said this was not a prior restraint, but just punishment. And they state, quote, the difference between hardcore 
pornography and softcore R-rated films is recognized and stipulated by appellant in agreed form of order, where it is stated therein, repellent shall not be restrained from showing what is ordinarily known as R-type or softcore-type films on such premises, end quote. It seems clear-cut here, but I wonder if there's any borderline cases where it's R+, plus, where it's where you have to decide whether softcore or hardcore pornography. Also here, they argue about something called scienter, or, or they say, quote, knowledge on his part, end quote. These obscenity cases involve what they call, quote, having knowledge of the content and character of the material. And our friend here cites a case when they determined a bookseller didn't have to, was off the hook if he didn't know every single book, the content that was in them in the store. But they say this is not like that because there's only a limited number of films and he is aware of what's going on. But that was a good shot, good try. Also, he argues about the issue of privacy in the home. They say, quote, I'm sorry, they say that the a motel room is similar to a home and it does have some of the same characteristics and one of those characteristics including the right to privacy. But they say the difference is not about the people in the rooms, about their rights to view whatever they want, but what the hotel oper- the motel operator is doing they suggest they can restrict the motel operator from showing stuff and distributing to the patrons of the motel. So unfortunately, our friend here didn't gain one single point, though he had a good effort. And they say, quote, as modified, the order of the trial court is affirmed, end quote. Alas, alas, bummer, 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 do, do, do. That is not the verdict we want to see. Our friend here tried, and thus he very well might be in First Amendment heaven if he has died. 1974 was a long time ago before I was even born, so it's very possible he passed. He could still be alive. I don't know. I don't know E. Allen Locke's entire life history, but unless he committed some heinous offense, he is headed towards First Amendment heaven which is where we need to head. And by continuing to fight this good fight of the First Amendment in anti-obscenity, we might also head to First Amendment heaven. How will you advance the First Amendment, freedom of speech, and third parties today? Long live the First Amendment and free speech. Goodbye.